You're listening to continuing Arizona votes coverage of the 2022 election with Mike Broomhead. Hey, thanks for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with the show as always. It is, uh, it's interesting as, as things become heated, and they always do. When you have a competitive anything, when it's a competitive race, whether it's a competitive uh, sport and competitive elections, you are going to see uh, people get very animated. And we are seeing tensions get very, very high. That's high stakes. This We are talking about the direction not only of our country, but of, the, of definitely our state. The five statewide races are big races, and you get six if you include the Senate race. Um, the governor's office, the attorney general's office, the secretary of state's office, the treasurer's office, and the superintendent of public instruction's office. Those five jobs are up for grabs in less than a week. And so they are critical. They they will determine the direction of our state. We haven't even talked – to tell you how important these races are this time around, we haven't even discussed much about legislative districts with redistricting and how things are going to look because as long as I've lived in Arizona, and it's almost 28 years now that I've lived in Arizona. The Arizona legislature has been controlled by Republicans. When I first moved here, it was almost a supermajority, if not a supermajority, of Republicans. And um, that has narrowed dramatically, where it is a very thin margin of majority for Republicans in both the House and the Senate. And there it could flip. I mean, at a time in the country where they're saying the U.S. House of Representatives is going to flip and the determinate it's I mean it's over 80% of people that believe it and the likelihood and everything else nationally it's going to become a Republican House that isn't necessarily a foregone conclusion with the House or the Senate here in the state of Arizona how different would the state look if one or both of those chambers flipped to Democrat control um, or if it wasn't you know a split in one in one of the chambers that that would be something we've not seen before now we've had Democrat governors but they've always worked with a pretty strong, re- control, strongly controlled uh, Republican legislature. So all of this matters to a lot of people. Politics is boring, but I will tell you it affects everything you do. We look at presidential races. We look at Senate races. And with all due respect to the Senate race, I think it is very, very important. But local races, the district you live in, the city you live in or town that you live in, the county you live in, um, those races affect you directly every day when those decisions are made by leadership. And so we should be focusing on those. It, it's always the the national races for D.C. that are the sexy ones. We talk about congressional races. We don't talk about district races. And the reason why we don't have candidates on in districts here is because it, they're small races. And with equal time, it's hard to get everybody in. But the idea that you are not an informed voter should scare you if you aren't about knowing who you're voting for and why knowing where they stand on issues. The ballot box thing, and this is how heated things have gotten in 2020. Now, there's a lot of voters in Arizona. There are a lot of voters in Arizona. And Joe Biden won Arizona by 10,000 votes. 10,000. That is a small number compared to the number of people that actually voted. And there are people that believe that the election was stolen. Now, I don't agree with that. But I also I don't hate people for it. I didn't agree with the way the audit was run either. I thought an audit was necessary or at least prudent. I thought auditing our election system and how we did things would have settled a lot of people's minds if it had been done the right way. And I, I'm not trying to bring bring this up to belabor it, but it turns out that my assessment was probably pretty fair, which was the company that was hired by the state of Arizona to do what they said was the biggest audit of an election ever in the history of our country. And you hired a company that had never done it before. Didn't make any sense to me. 
When you hired a company, now I'm, you know, listen to the show for three minutes. You know I'm a Republican. Uh, I'm on the right side of the aisle, and I said this is partisan. You got somebody who you hired to do this audit who believed the election was stolen going in. That's not science. Science is looking at evidence and coming with, up with a conclusion, not having a conclusion and then going looking for evidence. That, that's not the way it's supposed to be done. I'm saying all of this because all of this discontent about the elections that we've been feeling. Hillary Clinton recently put out a video. We played the audio. I played it on here. Hillary Clinton said the Republicans are actively trying to steal the 2024 presidential election. Not forget what she said in the past about 2000 and 2016. She said this about 2024, that that, that the Republicans are in cahoots with this uh, radical Supreme Court, right wing Supreme Court, and they're going to try to steal the election. I mean, it's just it's not true, but that's election denial. And that's the world we live in right now. So you've got all of these people that have decided they are going to go and watch ballot drop boxes because the documentary 2000 Mules that came out um, said that if there was voter fraud, this was a likely scenario that it happened. And Dinesh D'Souza, who put this documentary together, admitted uh, that this doesn't it's not evidence. It is a scenario that's possible. They have no idea. They have no idea what was inside those ballot envelopes when they were dropped in. So the other thing is, if people were stuck. Stuffing the ballot box. You can't prove who they were stuffing the ballot box for. Was it for Joe Biden? Was it for Donald Trump? You can suspect and all of its conjecture. That's what I observed because I watched the documentary. But people believe it to be the way the election was stolen from Donald Trump. They have a right to that belief. And if they believe the way to protect elections is to sit outside of ballot drop box locations and videotape or watch people or whatever, they've got a right to, as long as they are the sufficient distance away. A judge narrowed their ability to do it with conversations, and this is the part of it where it gets silly, okay? This was one of the concessions. The judge said, you cannot yell at people that are seventy within 75 feet of the ballot locations or the building where the ballot boxes are, unless... You are yelled at first. What is this? Kindergarten? Is this? Are we really reduced to be nice? Don't talk that way. Lower your voice. Stop yelling. Is that what we're, the judges have to do this now? And this is the contentious way elections sometimes become. The bad part about this is I don't believe that they are representative on either side of this issue. The activists that hauled it into court or the people that are sitting outside, the activists that are sitting outside of ballot drop box locations. I don't believe that any of them are the average voter. The average voter looks at all this stuff and thinks, what in the world is going on? I'll equate it to the thing I always do, sports. When you go, when I go – to a football game. And it's very rare. I will say the Cardinals do a very good job of making it a family centric, um, you know, a family friendly atmosphere. But every once in a while, there's going to be a fight. I mean, it ha- doesn't happen every game, um, but it happens sometimes. And when you look at that, your initial reaction is what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Even if it's someone on your side, if they're wearing a Cardinals jersey, you're like, what, what, what are you doing? 
that's the average reaction of the average fan. We are all here to cheer for our team. We are here to cheer against the other team. We, we're going to razz people in the, in the crowd. You know what I mean? We're going to have fun with it. But the idea of being so invested in this football game that we are going to come to blows with somebody is foreign to us. That is the vast majority of sports fans, just like the vast majority of voters in this country would never imagine a confrontation with somebody because they voted the opposite direction or I feel like I've got to sit outside and watch ballot drop boxes or I'm going to get into a verbal confrontation with somebody because they're watching me vote. It, 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 it's foreign. It's like, what is wrong with you people? And I think that's the overwhelming sentiment right now is what in the world is going on with some people? In a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's a segment we call Did You Hear This? It's coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on a very, very busy news day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Phoenix Police Chief Mike Sullivan was in studio today and discussed a viral video involving police officers. He explained how the department responded when they found out what happened. We acted immediately upon our investigation when it revealed the things that are out in the public right now and immediately instituted an administrative and criminal investigation. Do responses like these help to increase confidence in in police transparency? I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask because I I have an inherent and an innate belief that policing, by and large, are very, very good good, hardworking, honest people, and this is an anomaly when things like this happen. But yes, I think that when you have a police chief that comes on the show knowing he's going to be asked about it, and they they wanted to make sure everybody knew, they did not act on this once it got out in the media. They acted on this as soon as they found their investigation found that these things were going on. Now, what he wasn't going to do is come to a conclusion, and I think that's the fair thing to do. There is an ongoing policy investigation and a criminal investigation of these two officers. They deserve due process. The video looks damning. I mean, the video looks bad. But the chief said, we are taking this very seriously. And as soon as we saw this, or I don't know about the video, but as soon as we knew that these questions were out there, we opened an investigation. We didn't wait until the public released this. And I think that's an important designation. The Federal Reserve has officially announced they are raising interest rates by 75 basis points for a fourth consecutive time this year. Here is part of the reasoning as to why they did so. These higher rates are supposed to do is make borrowing money for businesses and consumers that much more expensive. In doing so, the Fed wants to slow the economy to the point that it will bring down prices and start to lower inflation. How do you think Wall Street will handle the news? Well, I don't know. You know, it's going to be a rough road, and it's the overall, if you look at what's happened over the last year, we have seen a decline in the stock market. Wall Street makes predictions based on what's going to happen, not what's happening immediately. And oh, so far, we see the job market remain strong. And so we, I, it, it makes me wonder. Manufacturing is down. People's personal debt is up. I think the holidays are going to tell a big story of what happens next. If we see people that are still shopping in, in great amounts of money, I think that's going to tell part of the story. If we see a big pullback from people and a lack of consumer confidence, that's going to tell another part of the story going into next year. The sad part about this is working class Americans are getting hammered by this. And this is what we talk about when inflation happens. This is a tax on people that is devastating. You 
are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the major headlines. CVS and Walgreens will pay a combined approximate $10 billion to settle lawsuits that accuse the companies of contributing to an opioid e- epidemic. CVS said the agreement is not an admission of liability or wrongdoing after it was accused of failing to monitor opioid prescriptions. Walgreens and Walmart are also prepared to pay billions to settle opioids-related claims. How much legal responsibility should pharmacies be held accountable for in the opioid epidemic? See, I'm I'm also, this is a tough position for me because I I think that the people ultimately, any addict will tell you, and fortunately for me, I I, I guess I don't have that gene about addiction. You know, it's not my problem, but I know that there are many people that suffer from addiction, and I do believe it's a disease, but addicts will tell you that the first step toward overcoming your addiction is taking personal responsibility for your actions. Now, I understand when people are being told that you're not going to get addicted if you take this product, and then you do, there's liability there for the people that told you that it wasn't addictive. But when you're talking about people monitoring your prescriptions, I don't know how much responsibility there should be there. You are the person that went out and did this, and if you you know, you take a look at, uh, at people that are, are recovering addicts that will tell you the way I overcame it was number one to admit I have a problem and then it's my problem to fix. And so I don't think blaming other people helps there, but hopefully this money is going to help a lot of people overcome these addictions. Arizona schools might have to slash their budgets by 18%, and State Superintendent of Public Instruction Kathy Hoffman spoke to KTAR about the situation. Even just the threat of these cuts is already impacting our schools because it's limiting our school leaders' ability to implement the new funding that was allocated this last legislative session. How would a budget cut affect school systems? It's going to be devastating, and, and, and that's the issue here is that this needs to be overcome, but let's not forget it goes back to a 1980 law, that, and it's got to be two-thirds majority in in the uh, House and the Senate. The people of Arizona, speaking through our legislators, have spoken and said this money should go to the schools to educate our children. But an old law prevents it from being spent. This shows you the flaw in the system. I think that they should look at this specifically, absolutely. But the bigger picture is how do you overcome this so we're not in this situation again with any law that was passed this way? And that is part of the question I'm always asking. Great job as always, Julia. That is, uh, did you hear this for another day? We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. Um, we are going to shift to the economy. There is a conversation to be had about our economy. And before we get out of this hour, we also are going to talk about education and that budget issue. So all of that's coming up here in a few moments. So stick around. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, we have had some pretty uh, prosperous times in America, and we have over the last couple of years, we were amazed, at least I was amazed at what we were doing, and we would have uh, pretty frequently, we'd have guests on that were experts in the in the area of talking about what was so good about the economy roaring the way it was at the time, was that it wasn't coupled with inflation. Well, we are seeing that inflation now, and inflation is devastating families. It is like a tax, especially when you talk about gas prices. Um, I know I'm not breaking new ground here with what I'm about to say, but uh, picture your family and how difficult it is with the increase in fuel prices, uh, whether you drive a diesel vehicle or a gas vehicle, especially if you have a diesel vehicle. You know, in the old days, people drove diesel vehicles because they got better gas mileage, and it wasn't that much more expensive for diesel fuel than it was for gasoline, but that has changed dramatically. But when you you think about your household, whether it's your car, how many cars you have in your household, imagine if you are a small business that has vehicles on the road 
And that is their business, with like a service contractor. When you've got vehicles that are driving from job to job throughout the day, um, the sheer cost increase that they have seen with the fuel expense over the past year, uh, past two years even. And it is, it is uh, shocking to me. It is surprising to me that it isn't a bigger issue for everybody in the country, although it is the number one issue for voters. This is where my problem, and as I get older, I've said this, I get older, I think I get more libertarian as I get older. Um, I'm a Republican for sure, but um, the government's basic job is to get out of the way of the American people in many ways. And I think we are too concerned with having the government stand in the gap between good and evil. What I mean by that is the president of the United States, and they, they I know there are a lot of people that believe this, that if you – um, if you don't protect the poor from the rich, we're in big trouble. And I, I've, I've never seen America that way. And I've spent a good chunk of my life with no money living in a house where it was very, very poor. But we were always surrounded by people of means, and they never treated us differently, and we didn't treat them differently. And I think that was one of the probably lessons I learned when I was young that wasn't intentional. I don't think it was a lesson my mother was trying to teach me. But being surrounded by very wealthy people and not being wealthy at all and not feeling out of place um, was was a great experience for me. Uh, being around people of immense wealth, and I was in some places that were immensely wealthy people, and, re- and I never felt out of place with them. That – I think that was kind of the key to my success overall in life because it was genuinely a feeling that if they could do this, if they can accomplish this, whatever this is, I can certainly do it too. I may be starting from a different place, but that doesn't mean I can't end up in the same place. And so talking about the U.S. economy, the Phoenix metro market, uh, t- uh, the um, housing market has fallen to ninth on the hottest real estate market list. And that's a big story because of how our economy has been roaring uh, over the last couple of years. And now it seems to be cooling off a little bit. Perspective matters to everybody. And I would say putting it in perspective, we are still doing very, very well. When you compare the Arizona economy or the Valley economy to other major metropolitan areas, we are faring much better. And I think that's a credit to a lot of the good decisions that were made by the governor's office and made by the state legislature's office, consulting with people on what the best way to diversify an economy and keep it booming. And, you know, if you think about this, if you think about it like your portfolio, whatever you do with your investments, and I'm not giving advice here, but you know as well as I do, when you have somebody that invests your money for you, what they want to make sure they do is diversify most of it. Now, you can be aggressive and take some risks here and do this, but for the most part, they want you protected so that if one sector really takes a massive drop, it's not going to make you destitute because you're so invested in that one sector. Um, And that's what we did in Arizona for such a long time. We were not a diverse economy, and we are now. So we know that there are going to be different sectors in our economy that will take a hit when the recession sinks in that everybody's saying is coming next year. But as a state, overall, we're going to fare much better because we've diversified the right way. And I think that is a key to a lot of different things. My hope would be that we were able to avoid a recession altogether. You know, if 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 it turns out that President Biden is right about us not even seeing a recession or if we do, it's going to be very small and it's going to jump right back up. I hope 
I, I sincerely hope he's right and I'm wrong. But there's not an indicator out there that says that's where we're going, and that's what scares me more than anything else. When you saw the signs, and you, I'm a layperson like most of you are, and I'm getting information from the people that I trust as experts, but there were experts in all sectors of all political parties that were screaming, we are roaring towards a recession. We are in trouble for a recession. And the White House kept denying it and denying it and di- denying it until it was too late to act on it. That's my biggest fear is there is a level of painting a rosy picture. It was a parent, and I'm not calling the president a parent of the country, but as a parent, you know when there is a situation that you're concerned about. You're driving in a really bad rainstorm or whatever it is where you're thinking, man, this is dicey. This is a little bit dicey. The roads are icy right now, and I, you know, but you're not going to scream because it's going to scare the heck out of your kids. There is a level of you maintaining a, a calm demeanor and saying, we're going to be fine, but making sure you're doing your due diligence. That and complete denial. And what we've gotten from the White House is complete denial. They have denied any responsibility. They have denied anything is going wrong in any factor or any sector of the U.S. economy. And that's what frustrates people is feeling as if they're not being heard. When Americans are saying, I'm putting groceries on my credit card, I'm putting gasoline on my credit card, I'm working as hard as I've ever worked or harder to keep my head above water, I'm having to tell my children no to things, I'm worried about how I'm going to get any kind of a Christmas for my kids, I'm worried about Hanukkah or whatever holiday you celebrate. Our Thanksgiving dinner is going to be diminished a bit because we can't afford. Usually we're the ones that have the Thanksgiving dinner at our house and we have this huge blowout. We may not be able to afford to feed that many people on Thanksgiving. What do we do? Are we going to do a potluck and have everybody bring something? There are concerns for people. We have evictions going up. Now imagine that. It's not just you. If you've ever been in a situation where you weren't sure if you were going to have a place to live, it's a scary place to be. Now think about your children being on the streets. I mean, it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying, and families are facing it more and more. We have seen now uh, evictions going up here in the valley. And this all is well, don't worry about it message does not resonate with people. It's You, you know as well as I do. I, again, I talk about my affiliation and my, my connection with the Republican Party. I'm a registered Republican voter, but I'm also not blind. I know that there isn't this great love for Republicans by voters out there. And in many cases, they're thinking it's the lesser of two evils in a bunch of different areas. But the number one focus is getting this economy back on track, and there's been nothing in this administration that gives confidence to the American people, but they're capable of doing it or they're going to do it, which is why the American people are saying like they always do. I shouldn't say always as they usually do. We vote with our wallets. We vote with our wallets. We want a secure border. Yes. Uh, The abortion issue for people. We want that abortion issue settled. Yes. Whatever side of that issue you're on, if you're pro-choice, absolutely. But the number one issue for people right now is the economy and getting the record set straight. And it's going to get worse in the winter because, you know, we have a diesel shortage because we have a refining issue. But we also now have the time of year where that heavy oil is being used for heating oil in homes. That's going to make that sector even more expensive. You're going to have families literally thinking we are either going to be hungry and warm or we're going to be cold and well-fed. We don't have enough money for both, and that's not the way any American wants to live. That's where the changes are coming. That's where they're coming from. Coming up in a moment, uh, before we close it out, we do have to talk about Arizona education. Schools are facing a dramatic cut to their budgets. We'll talk about why and what the solution is coming up in a few moments. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Before we jump into the school's topic, I want to give a shout out to Gidham. That's the Arizona Department of Public Safety's Gang and Immigration Intelligence Team, affectionately known as Gidham, because everything in law enforcement and the military is an acronym of some kind. But uh, Gidham enforced a warrant in Tucson during a search of a property. They arrested two suspects and located the following. 20.7 pounds of methamphetamines, a quarter pound of multicolor fentanyl pills, 2.3 pounds of blue fentanyl pills, and a little bit of cocaine. Uh, They also found 22 firearms, eight rifles, one equipped with a suppressor, two with scopes on their rifles, uh, one Mac 11, Six shotguns, seven semi-automatic pistols, 80 magazines, including multiple round, 30-round mags, uh, 7,153 rounds of ammunition. I wonder who had to count all of those bullets. Um, three bulletproof Fs, six smoke grenades, one door-breaching battering ram. Um, they are identified as Tucson residents. All of them will be booked into the Pima County Jail. Uh, possession of narcotic, narcotic drugs for sale, possession of a dangerous drug for sale, possession of firearm during a drug offense, possession of drug paraphernalia endangerment, possession, and a weapon by a prohibited person, illegal control of an enterprise, and conspiracy. And the other suspect was booked on two counts of endangerment. So a shout-out to AZ, DPS, and more of the gang unit. I had the privilege of speaking to the uh, uh, the gang conference called ASGIA uh, recently this year, and I can tell you two things. Number one, thank God they're on our side. Um, these are some really, really qualified individuals that do a very dangerous job, and thank God they are out there doing it. Uh, and the second thing is just know that there are about 600 different people in this state that are focused, laser-focused on ending gang violence, and I think it's a great thing. So let's get back to this topic I've talked about many times. Arizona schools once again facing massive cuts because of spending limits. Um, you know, this is – a sad state that we're in. The state of Arizona has evolved and changed a great deal in the 28 years that I've been here. I moved here in 1995, and I will tell you that it's almost 28. It'll be 28 years in February. Um, the time that I've been here, I have watched such a great change in Arizona. I've witnessed some of it, and I, it's nothing for me. The native Arizonans will tell you amazing stories of growth that are just incomprehensible how fast this valley has grown. And um, with it, we change how we do things and what is good for people. And laws change. The problem I have with all of these changes is it takes a two-thirds majority of the state legislature to override this. And it's a, it is – there's politics involved in this, and there are going to continue to be politics involved in this. So you've got the current legislature, which has allocated a lot of money for schools. And so now you have to get a two-thirds majority in order to spend it. That doesn't make any sense. They, it is not an easy fix. It is not something as simple to get it. You think about this. You know the state of American politics. You know the state of Arizona politics. How do you get a two-thirds majority of either side to agree to anything? It's difficult. It took them down to the last week of the legislative session, the last time around to get this done, to override it just so that last year's money could be spent. And they've got to do it again this year. And unless they permanently do this, they're going to have to do it every single year as spending is not going to go down in schools. So this is where we talk about politics and what should be done. Now, I have no idea if they're going to come to an agreement in the next legislative session where the legislature sits down and says, "Okay, we're going to permanently change this. 
But when you go in and you alter the Constitution, and that's how our Constitution is written, I'm not a big fan of propositions. Whether it is a voter-initiated proposition or it is a proposition proposed uh, by uh, the legislature, I, I just look at this and I think unless we are allowing each legislative session and each legislature to do their job, to do what's best for Arizona, and they say, well, sometimes they don't. And, you know, when you, and the marijuana issue had been a big one because, you know, the legalization of marijuana, they were never going to take that up in the legislature. Well, they've done it in many states around the country. And let's say that that one issue you're 100 percent right on. You mean we're going to do and this system that we keep going in over and over again and and not allowing the legislature to do their job the way it's supposed to be done, it doesn't make sense to me. It never has and it never will. We need to get the money into the classroom. The money's been allocated by the taxpayers of Arizona. It's sitting in accounts, and it shouldn't be a technicality that stops them from spending that money. Listen, I want changes in education like you do. I want to see better schools. I want to see much better results, and I don't think it's all connected to money like a lot of you do. But when we as a state have allocated that money the way we've allocated the money for education, and then there's a technicality that stops it from being spent. It makes us shake our head. There's got to be a better way. And I hope that this this one issue makes them look at the bigger picture of this issue and see if there's not something else we can do. And I, I just wish they would. I wish they would. Um, somebody from Cap Time sent me a message talking about this was a probably a legislator, legislature-motivated prop and not one from the voters. And, and I, I appreciate the correction. I wasn't here in 1980 if that's when and how it happened. But it doesn't take away from the larger point that we shouldn't have to do this every year. And it's something that needs to be changed. If you're a social media user, I am at Broomhead KTAR um, is where you can find me on Twitter or Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. I would love to keep in touch with you between shows. We're back tomorrow a little bit after eight in the morning. Hope you have a great day, everyone. God bless.